of prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. You can be seated. This morning is the third of our series, A Culture of Prayer. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And uh, you want to get your Bibles out? And of course, where is mine? It's in my purse. How about if I use my big one, my big device that has my Bible on it? And let's put them over your hearts, if you would, and say this after me. This is God's written living word to me. What he thinks about me. It reveals who God says I am and tells me what God says I have. Because it's how God thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And thus I am transformed into his likeness. Amen, amen. So this is our third Sunday, as I said, on the topic, a culture of prayer. God is calling our church to a higher level of prayer. And I have some exciting things to tell you about today. Let's take a look at our text. It's Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living. Do we have that? I'm sorry, I didn't give you a heads up on that. I So Matthew 28, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 20. Give you a chance to get there if you have your Bibles. Last time we met, we talked about your identity as a priest and a king, a kingdom of priests, and how that you go before God, bringing people to God, and how you then bring God to people. How it's your job and my job, it's actually part of your identity to bring heaven to earth. And we're going to talk more about that in a different way today. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is after he had risen from the dead, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. First of all, let me just ask you, are you his disciple? So let's say this is a message to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Within these verses that are so familiar to us and that we call the Great Commission, I'm going to use a different term. And actually, Trevor, when he preached last week, it was about his third sentence in his sermon. And I went, I had gotten the title of this message two weeks ago. So when he said this, I went, oh, this is very cool. I love confirmations. And I'm going to wrap all this up to say this. You are a world changer. You are a world changer. This is part of your identity. Who, me? Yes, you. You have been commissioned by the Lord to be a world changer. After all, Jesus came to the earth and changed the entire face of the earth, didn't he? He affected every life that lives, didn't he? He turned over the system just by his very existence. And guess who lives in you? Jesus. Jesus, the world changer, lives in you. You are a world changer. Um, Tim, would you bring those up? Now, for those of you who have things in your hands right now, I'm going to ask you to put them down. For those of you who normally take notes, I'm going to ask you not to take notes today. If you want to take notes, then go back and listen to the lesson online afterwards. I want you to receive. Go ahead and pass those out. I want you to hold this in your hand today throughout the message. You are a world changer. 
If you'll take the basket, take one and pass it down and then take everything else out of your hands if you would. I guess you don't have to, but I'd really appreciate it if you would. I really want you to be in a receiving mode today and the work that the Lord is going to do in your heart Yes, they're good stress balls, too, by the way. That's what they are, they're stress balls. So if you're feeling stressed, go ahead and squeeze. <laughs> keep one in your car, keep one at your desk. For your mothers, keep one in your kitchen, your bathroom, in the kids' bedrooms. Everybody have one? Why don't you take a look at it for a moment? You hold the world in your hands. This is the truth, not a gimmick. You hold the world in your hands. Did you know that God measures success in the kingdom more by impact than by possessions, finances, power, position. Our success is measured more by impact because your identity and who you have been created to be is a world changer. Even back in the beginning in Genesis when God man. He said, you are to subdue the earth. From the beginning, mankind was a world changer. How much more with Jesus Christ in your life? You hold the world in your hands. You can actually make a difference across the globe if by nothing else by prayer, but some of you will actually be sent to different places around the globe. And then there's your personal world and your personal nation. You know, when Jesus says, go into all the world, and he said, you know, making disciples of all nations, you have your personal world and your personal nation made up of family and friends, your workplace, your play place, um, your marketplace, wherever you go to market, your neighborhood, and you are meant to make a difference. We are in a season, I believe with all my heart, of what I'm going to call just an astounding open heaven. Really, I think the best term for it is a year of jubilee. And as we've talked about, there are times and seasons in God. And so while at all times you are a world changer, period, it doesn't matter whether seasons are a year of jubilee or not, you are always a world changer. In this particular season that I believe we're in in 2016, and that many prophets believe we're in in 2016, I'm telling you, like never before, there is a freedom for you to go forward and do the things that God has on your life to do. Here's some of the prophetic titles I've seen of words coming across Elijah list, if you all are familiar with that group of prophets from around probably the world, I haven't paid close attention, definitely around the United States, who are talking about, of course, in the beginning of the year, 2016, and here's some of the things that they've said. It's the year of enlarging. That was one of the, the title of one prophetic word. Another one. In 2016, full restoration is coming. Promises and double for your trouble. Felt like you had some trouble? Well, we're going to get some double back for it. 
It's a year of shifting seasons and suddenlies, like suddenly God's going to move. <laughs> suddenly we're going to see the harvest of things. It's a year of jubilee. It's a year of abundance, overflow, and fruitfulness. Here's another one. Get ready for the new breed, that's us, and global awakening. In that word, one of the lines was, God is calling forth a group of people. That's us. Everybody say, that's me. God is calling forth a group of people who will ignite the coming awakening. A global awakening is on the way. Wow. Everybody say, wow. Whew. I believe this with all my heart. Now, you're going to have to hold on to your globe while you also take your bulletin out and find this goldenrod sheet of paper. <clears throat> It's long, I know, but the original word was twice as long. <laughs> I, I, I copied the things that I felt just really have struck my heart for Genesis, for part of who we are. This word was given across the Elijah list through Jane Hammond. Her, if any of you are familiar with the prophetic world, Bill Hammond, is a her father-in-law is a major voice. And uh, this is portions of a word of the Lord through Pastor Jane Hammond that was given just a few days ago here in January. And the title of it is A Year Heaven Partners with Earth in a New Way. And so we're going to read all of this together. And uh, there's some highlighted parts, and I just want you to let just receive these words into your heart. This is about who you are. If you will show up, I will show off, God speaking, of course. So Jane says, On the morning of December 24th, 2015, I dreamed for hours with God speaking the th same thing to me over and over. He would say, If you will show up, I will show off. In the dream, I saw different scriptural scenarios in which this occurred. Jesus showed up at the pool of Bethesda and showed off God's power to heal. Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus showing off God's power for resurrection life. In 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20, God told Jehoshaphat that they would need to fight in the battle. They would not need to fight in the battle, but they still had to show up on the battlefield, and he would show his power to destroy the enemy that had, been, had them surrounded. What a cool thought, isn't it, that if you show up, God can show off. Wow, you're a world changer. I heard a second phrase in these dreams. If I did it then... I will do it again. Every miracle we have ever read about in the Word, every revival or awakening from a past season, every example of a city or a nation turning towards Christ becomes a foreshadowing of what God desires to do again. Is that not awesome? I mean, anything you read in the Bible that Jesus did before, he desires to do it again. Charles Spurgeon said that anything God has done sets a precedent. Do you need healing? Do you see healing in the Bible? Do you see someone else healed? Ed this year was healed of two major situations where the doctor had said, like with his kidneys, he was going to be on medicine for a year. His kidneys were on partially functioning. Within a month, they had taken him off some of the medications, and now he's completely off, completely healed. His kidneys are operating at 100%. That wasn't supposed to happen, according to the doctors, but not according to the courtroom of heaven. 
If God has done it for him, he'll do it for you. Woo! Spiritual climate change. Also, I believe I heard the Lord say that he is bringing us into a time of spiritual climate change. God is saying that man has the capacity to change the current spiritual atmosphere and heat things up through our prayers, prophetic declarations, and through our praise. Everybody say prayers, prayers. prophetic declarations, and praise. All three of these are part of a vibrant prayer life. When you and I pray, we can change the climate. We can change things. There's been a hostile... Now, look at the kind of thing we might be able to change here. There has... No, I'm not going to say might. I'm telling you, this is so real right now to me. We can change this. There has been a hostile spiritual climate in the nations, in media and governments, which has marginalized those who follow Christ. But there is a change coming. With the rise of ISIS and terrorism in the earth, there has been a pouring out of the blood of the martyrs that is stirring the global atmosphere. In the midst of ISIS persecution, in the midst of a growing hostility and persecution against Christians and media and government, I believe the enemy is overplaying his hand and a spiritual climate change will result, continuing to make the earth ripe for awakening, revival, and reformation. Wow. Amen. 5776, a year of jubilee. This is where we started this entire call was on the day of the beginning of the Jewish year, 5776. That morning, the Lord brought forth the word that he was bringing us into a culture of prayer and into an increased level of prayer. So let's read what she has to say about this. And by the way, the entire word has more details. If you want to read it up at the top, you can see where you can go online to find this entire word or ask me and I'll send it to you. 2016 corresponds, this is the kind of thing that happens prophetically. You might say, well, this is a little strange. But 2016 corresponds to the Hebraic year 5776, which began September 2015. This year is considered to be a, a jubilee year by Hebraic scholars and the 70th jubilee year observed since Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land. The number 70 corresponds with the total cycle being complete and perfected. So jubilee occurs every 50 years and in jubilee all slaves were released, debts were canceled, Families were restored, inheritances restored, property returned. God bless you. <laughs> 2016 will be a year of jubilee blessing and release. I believe it. So do you need some debts canceled? This could be, th this, let's believe this is your year. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this. You know, there's a, one of our, our groups is called Financial Peace University. Maybe you need to attend that and God will give you the keys for canceling your debt. Um, families restored, slaves released. Is there any area in which you just feel like, man, I haven't been able to break through this. I haven't been able to break through this. You've been a slave to it. This year, a release. Leviticus 25 Verses 9 and 10 says, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. And that's what we did on the day, by the way, 
We talked about on the uh, Jewish New Year Day, we talked about God is blowing the shofar, that he's sounding an alarm and saying, wake up. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. It's interesting for America that this scripture, Leviticus 25.10, is inscribed on our liberty bell. So inscribed on our liberty bell, it says, we will proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. That's here in America, folks. And it'll be a jubilee for us in America and each of us shall return to our possessions and our families. I believe it's a declaration from the Lord for us all to speak and decree over our nation. Take this scripture home with you. Speak it and decree it over America this year. We're to shift from a someday mentality. How many have been there? Someday this will happen. I know God said it. Someday I'll see it. Well, Hebrew 11.1 1 declares, Now faith is. It's time to shift out of a someday mentality into an expectation for a now manifestation. We need to shake off all helplessness and hopelessness to understand that our actions on earth give us the ability to partner with heaven to see breakthrough occur. What have you felt helpless about? Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's the United States of America. Maybe it's terrorism. Maybe it's finances. It's time to shake it off and say, no, wait, I am a world changer. I am a priest and a king, and I have the ability to get in touch with God, see what he's saying, and bring heaven to earth. Don't quit, by the way. If it's double for our trouble now, there's things we have been praying for and praying for, and now is the hour for some of those things. Don't quit. Don't give up on the things you've been waiting for. It's a time of divine reversals. Man, is this not powerful or what? I'm telling you. Okay, so the Strong's number, that is a book that gives you the Greek and Hebrew meanings of words in the Bible. And it goes by, it's listed by numbers. So the Strong's number 2016, which would be the word hefek, if that's how you pronounce it. And it's the year 2016 means to turn, to be reversed, to go contrary, to make a different, to opposite. In this time of connecting heaven and earth, God is challenging us that we can make a difference. We can cause things to be reversed. Things that went against us or contrary to us in the last season can see a turnaround. So how can you show up so that God can show off? I love this example. In April, prior to the Supreme Court's ruling on marriage, Tom, her husband, was praying and complaining to the Lord that we shouldn't call them the Supreme Court. They aren't the final say in what happens in the land. But the Lord replied back that they were the final say in our nation's court system. But when a lower court makes a bad decision, your only option is to appeal to a higher court, the sovereign court. We have a sovereign court to see a reversal. Then all the lower courts have to align with what the highest court decrees. We are believing some, for some reversals from the court of heaven. What, what decrees have been made in the court of your life? 
Have you been told that cancer is going to win out? Well, there's a sovereign court that says by Jesus' stripes you have been healed. Have you heard from the court of your job that says there's no promotions left for you? You've gotten as far as you're going to get. Well, God makes a way where there is no way if he provides a new job. I was in a company 15 years ago, small, semi-small company. There was no place to go in this company. Started as an administrator, and they started creating jobs for me. Not one. They created at least two jobs for me. Then they moved me into another position, and then they trained me as a recruiter. No one in that company ever, I think probably still today, ever had that happen for them. Don't say it won't happen for you. God has the final word. In August, she had a dream, and it was a dream about four horsemen that she called the four horsemen of awakening and revival. Now, all I put down here were the third and the fourth horsemen that she saw because I think they're very specific to us. The third horseman worked with the apostolic movement or anointing. And we are an apostolic church. They were anointed to equip people to be sent ones with signs, wonders, and miracles. Apostle is a military term. Apostolos means one sent into a territory on assignment to bring transformation. Many more saints are catching the understanding that they are to be the sent ones into their world and into their culture. So as an apostolic church, that means you. You are the church. That doesn't mean Jeff and me. doesn't mean Amy and Trevor. It means you. As a church, you're an apostolic people. You're meant to be sent into territories on assignment by God to bring transformation. That's who you are. You are a world changer. This is who is on the inside of you. The fourth horseman worked with prophetic evangelism, Joshua. The new kid on the block. He looked to be the youngest of the four, but still very powerful and necessary for completing the team. God is stirring boldness and urgency in his people to reach out to the lost with the power of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic word to bring them to Christ. Now, I know for some people that sounds scary. I encourage you, sign up for Joshua's group and give it a try. Just go and say, say, Josh, I'm scared. I'm, I'm just scared. I don't know if I can do this. What if I make a mistake? And the really cool thing is he'll walk you through it. You'll watch him do it. And you know what happens when you hang around people who do these things? It rubs off on you. It's that simple. So don't have to go in thinking, I can do this. I can do. You can just go in going, I'm scared. I don't know if I can do this. But I'll hang out with you, and I'll do my best, and I'll see what happens. Is that how you started with Kavika? Just, okay, I'll give it a shot. No, it, my, it actually started by watching Todd White online. Oh, very and, cool. And, and that put a hunger in me. And then, um, and then, but then with Kavika was where the activation started. And when you hang out with somebody and watch what they do, doesn't it get easier? Not only watch what they do, but the anointing that's already, they're already operating in starts flowing over to you. Give it a shot. Try it. Listen, if you don't have a prophetic word for people when you're in the, pray for somebody. Give them a miracle card. Give them a miracle. I love the way she said that. Give them a miracle. That card, we have them, Trevor's back, so I know we have the cards. 
Yeah. So give them a miracle card. Give them a miracle set. When you, when you see, meet someone in need, or maybe somebody at work, this, I don't know how well you can see it. It's in your bulletin. You can look at it closer there. So cool. It says miracle. You're going to, I'm handing them a miracle. You don't have to even tell them that. But, you know, they can take it and look at it and go, wow, that's a miracle? Man, talk about expanding your thoughts and expanding their thoughts and just the possibility. There's a lot of people looking for answers. Just say, come get some prayer. That's all you have to say. Come get some prayer. The time of the light horseman. Okay, I just love this story, so I had to include it. And, and it goes along with her dream about the four horsemen. Interestingly, the man preaching the night after I had the dream about the four horsemen, his name is Prophet Greg Bailey, he leads up a Christian international in Australia and New Zealand, had us all stand and link arms together as a sign we were partnering with heaven. He said it was the 100-year anniversary of the battle of... Okay, I looked up how to pronounce this. Gallipoli, yes, a kind of Italian sounding, Gallipoli, in which the Australia and the New Zealand Army Corps armies penetrated the Middle East. Okay, so she just had the dream in August, so it was the 100 year anniversary of this. So that would have happened in what, 20, I mean, 1915. Okay, so these brigades were called the Light Horsemen. Though they were eventually pushed back at Gallipoli and suffered a horrible defeat, they went on to win a major, miraculous victory at Beersheba. Beersheba means the well of the Oath or Covenant, where 800 light horsemen, get this, armed only with bayonets and a Bible, charged the guns of the Turks and Germans and miraculously overtook them. Their bravery was so amazing some of the Turkish soldiers who were the enemy actually put down their guns and applauded the Light Horsemen Brigade. It was these armies, along with the British forces, who in 1917 took Jerusalem back from 1,400 years of Muslim rule. This is not the end of the story. There are hundreds of military testimonies, hundreds from both sides of the battle for Jerusalem, in which soldiers report seeing lights or light beings fighting with the light horsemen. Whew. Clearly, both sides saw angels mobilized on the field of battle. They won the battle and liberated Jerusalem against impossible odds. This took place in 1917, which was also a year of jubilee. Is this not too cool? These light horsemen penetrated the Middle East in 1915. There's so many prophetic things about numbers and timing, and so that's what this next paragraph is about. It took place in the Middle East in 1915, but didn't, they didn't win the full victory until 1917. This is interesting because 2017 is the 500-year anniversary of the Second Reformation. One more interesting fact is that the victory at Beersheba took place on October 31st, 1917, the exact date of the 400-year anniversary of Martin Luther launching the Second Reformation by nailing his 95 Thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Church. I believe our prayers have penetrated spiritual and cultural issues in 2015, but as at Gallipoli, we may have seen some pushback and seeming defeat. However, I also believe God is anointing us with the courage of the light horsemen to charge the enemy's front lines for some miraculous victories in the place of covenant, Beersheba. These victories will open the way to see cities and nations turned, but the church must arise and be God's voice and God's force in the earth. 
If you show up, he'll show off. Awesome stuff. I got more. (laughs) I was reading a book by Bill Johnson called The Power That Changes the World. Is the book uh, you guys doing, Karen? Is it by Bill Johnson? Yeah, what's the name of it? Another great group to be a part of, Strengthening Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson with the stacks. Um, Here's some of the points that I wanted to bring forward uh, that he said, and and I'm add a few little things here. But he also says, just in that word, from as like it was said in that word by Jane Hammond, Bill Johnson also says, history testifies of the transformation of cities and nations has been done before. The supernatural breakthroughs of the past are putting a demand on us to believe for the same in our day. If it's happened before, it can happen again. The history of divine intervention is summoning us into the future. We just read about the divine intervention of the light horseman going with a Bible and bayonets. The Turkish put down their guns. They... The light horseman had bayonets. What could happen against terrorism in our day? What could happen with all the wars and things that are going on if we but show up even to pray? Our assignment is to bring heaven to earth through our prayers as well as our acts of radical obedience. It is our job to create an atmosphere where the kingdom of God can flourish. Let me give you uh, a little example for your everyday life. Paul said in Romans chapter 2 that it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. So when you are, and also another way of putting it is kindness. So when you go into your workplace and you're kind, you become a tangible expression that will create an atmosphere where people are drawn to repentance because of your kindness. Wow. Our apostolic mission here at Genesis is to bring love and honor and kindness to every human being in place of judgment. That's part of our apostolic mission. And you can do it. You can bring love and honor to whomever it might be, to whomever you meet, whether they believe what you believe or not, to bring love and honor and kindness. And you will change the atmosphere. And things can happen and become freed up to happen in that atmosphere. So God thinks of us individually, but I also want to be thinking in terms of people groups. He thinks in terms of people groups. Remember in the day of Jonah, and, the, and what he told Jonah, it was all for the great city of Nineveh, wasn't it? He was thinking in terms of a people group. What about the other prophetic words that prophets were given over cities and nations? He thinks in terms of people groups. What about when Christ addressed the churches in cities in the book of Revelation that we read about in the book of Revelation? God thinks in terms of people groups. And you and I, we're to impact people, cities, And nations, yes, you, you can impact a person and a city and a nation through prayer, bringing heaven to earth in those circumstances. One of the let's let's look at the impact of 
of what can happen. For instance, with Solomon, this is so cool. At one time, under Solomon's reign, the city of Jerusalem was a place of peace, prosperity, and security. So much so that world leaders and peoples of the earth were coming to Solomon and saying, what is this and how did you do it? So can you imagine that if your city was full of peace and prosperity and security, the amount of freedom people would have, the amount of joy people would have, the amount of hope people would have, the amount of goodwill that would flow in that atmosphere? This is what can happen when righteousness rules a nation. This city, this timing of, that, of, of Jerusalem would be like heaven coming to earth, a city experiencing a part of heaven coming to earth. If it happened then, can it happen now? It all started with a man after God's own heart, with one person, David. He was a man after God's heart. He longed for more of God. He longed to follow after God. He longed to commune with God, to talk with God, to know God, to follow God. And he passed that down to his son Solomon, which you can read about that in Proverbs, about Solomon talking about what his parents taught him. And Solomon became like him and sought after God and followed after God and wanted more of God. And when God came to him in a dream and said, I'll give you anything, and he chose, we often say it's wisdom, but he said understanding. He chose understanding. When you look up that word in the Hebrew, it means to hear. So what Solomon asked for was a hearing heart. And as a result, a city was changed and heaven came to earth because of one man who sought after God, who followed after God, who longed after God, who wanted more of God, who wanted God's ways. That can be you. That can be you. You can change and impact your workplace. You can change and impact your neighborhood. You can change and impact your family and your extended family as you long after God, as you seek after God, as your heart is after him. And then you begin to bring heaven to earth. Okay, I'm going to give you one more or a couple more examples here of what's gone before us and what we can have today. A few weeks ago, I talked about revival. And I'm going to go through one particular revival and then tell you a little bit about some 20th century revivals and what has happened when people were willing to pray the price. After the American Revolution in the late 1700s, there was a huge moral slump in what was then America. Drunkenness was epidemic. Out of 5 million people, 300,000 were drunkards and 15,000 were dying yearly. Bank robberies were a daily occurrence and for the first time in the American settlement, women were afraid to go out at night. The church was losing more members than it was gaining. Some preachers actually quit the pulpit and quit their ministry because for years nobody had come to God. And so they thought, well, this is doing no good, so they went and got a job. In our great university, Harvard, there was some research done. There was, only, there was not even one believer was found at Harvard. In Princeton, which was a bit more evangelical, they found two believers. On the other hand, they had a filthy language movement going on, and only five people out of the whole university weren't part of the filthy language movement. These students were rioting. They were holding anti-Christian plays. Um, and they were so bold as to take a Bible out of the Presbyterian church and burn it publicly. 
It was a very moral, big moral slump as a nation at that time. How did this change? In Great Britain, there was a concert of prayer that began, and, like, and, and at this, about the same time, a Scottish Presbyterian minister published a letter pleading with the people of Scotland and elsewhere to unite in prayer. This letter was sent over to the United States, and Jonathan Edwards, who's a great theologian, was so moved by this letter that he responded with an even longer letter called this. And he was calling for extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth per scripture promises and prophecies. Churches began to adopt this plan to pray, have extraordinary prayer. And like Great Britain, the U.S. began to be interlaced with a network of prayer meetings and our nation turned around. Thousands came to Jesus. A great awakening of faith occurred. And out of this awakening, and by the way, before I finish that, let me tell you that John Marshall, who was the, let me just find where this is to see exactly what he said. John Marshall, who was the chief justice of the U.S. at that time in the slump, said the church is too far gone ever to be redeemed. Bad times. But a great awakening of faith occurred as people prayed, and out of this came the whole modern missionary movement, its societies, eventually the abolition of slavery, popular education, Bible societies, Sunday schools, and many social benefits. And this was because there were people who were willing to pray the price. So let's jump to the 20th century. Just a couple of things. In the cities of New Guinea, the Philippines, Argentina, and in Africa... Churches have grown by tens and hundreds of thousands of people. As a matter of fact, we talked, I believe, a couple of weeks ago about in Korea, the largest church in the world. Yes, Pastor Cho, and they have, I think, a million, had a million people praying, and I can't remember how, how big the church was, 700,000, 800,000, and at that point, they decided, we've got to do this a different way. We're too big. <laughs> We're too big. So they began to break up the church in different ways. So there's just more and more people being added, but they're being added in other groups. This is what's been happening as people are praying in the 20th century. As a matter of fact, Peter Wagner has intensely investigated these effective ministries and concluded that the reason for their growth is powerful intercessory prayer. Another prolific researcher into Pentecostalism said that from the earliest Pentecostals onward, it was more important to pray than to organize. Now, this story is my favorite of all because it's for us, some of us in our lifetime. Some of you are too young. <laughs> for some of us in our lifetime. How many of you know about the Berlin Wall? It was built overnight in 1961. And uh, it divide, overnight divided east from west Berlin. It was a move to keep people in to the communistic countries rather than coming out into the free world because people were starting to leave because they realized they didn't like the tyranny of what was going on. Overnight, they built this wall, literally where people went, with, if they went to sleep on the other side of town from their loved ones, they didn't see them for years because they couldn't cross the border. If their jobs were on the other side of town, they lost their jobs because they couldn't go through the border overnight. It became the largest symbol for communism and the Cold War uh, that we had was the Berlin Wall. And obviously, if people tried to escape, they were shot and killed. People couldn't get through. And it was tyranny and terrorism that these people lived in during that time from 1961 until 1989. So how did it happen that that wall came down? 
1982, Christians in East Germany, where the Berlin Wall was built, began to pray. They started to form small groups of just 10 to 12 people. We have 10 to 12 people here. We have 20 to 30 to 40 to 50, whatever. Small groups of 10 to 12 people committed to pray for peace in 1982. By October of 1989, 50,000 people were involved in Monday night prayer. In that month, they began to move out of the prayer places, out onto the streets for a peaceful demonstration, a peaceful rally. In total, other people joined them. They joined other people. 300,000 people began to march through the streets of East Berlin at risk of massacre. But it didn't happen. There was no massacre. And in November of 1989, the walls came down. And it ended the Cold War. And it brought freedom to all of Germany because of prayer meetings. Where's your globe? What is God putting in your hand to change? Can you come every two weeks and pray with us? First and third Wednesdays of the month, 7 to 8.30 p.m. You can come and go as you please. This Saturday Friday night, date night with the Father, which is more geared towards your personal prayer time, which is awesome because you connect with the Lord and you hear his heart. You get full of him. As you get full of him, you begin to overflow. First and third Wednesdays, we're going to be praying for ministries and nations It'll be taking place right here in the sanctuary at the same time that the healing rooms are going on. We'll be providing a backdrop, if you will, of the presence of God for our healing rooms as we're praying. Healing rooms will we'll have a room back here in the back. We have the kids' club. We have a room back here. We'll have several healing rooms taking place while we're praying. Can you come? Can you be a world changer? Can you make a difference in our nation? Could we stop terrorism? Who knows what God's going to direct us to change in our community, our workplace, our city, our state, our nation, and even the world as we come to pray. In your bulletins, I've put one of these. Some of you might want to pray during the day. I'm already coming to pray during the day here at the church. But I, what I'd like to do is find out if any of you have time to come and would like to come during the day. Maybe you would come before work, or maybe you'd come at your lunch hour, or maybe you can make your own schedule and come at whatever time during the, the weekdays. So I'm willing to put my schedule according to yours. If you, if, if, if I, if, if you would like to come during the day and, you, and you're saying to me, Nina, I'll make it every effort to be here on a regular basis, then I'll change my schedule to yours. Okay, if I don't get responses, I'll just make my schedule and let you know when we're praying. And ushers, and Tim, would you put a basket right back in the middle there, one of those tall baskets? Hope you have And just put it out in the middle of the aisle there. If you'll fill this out before you leave today, and uh, if, you're, if, if you can pray during the day, and then we'll put some daytime prayer times as well. I'm going to be sending out some emails. If you're in our attenders list, they're going to be 30-second to one-minute reads, and it's just going to be called Short and Simple, and it's going to encourage your prayer life and maybe even giving you a prayer to pray.
We're going to engage prayer here. We're going to be world changers here. We're going to bring heaven to earth here. Will you do it with us? It's who you are. It's a part of who you are is to be a world changer. You might say, I don't know how to pray. Can you talk? Then you can pray. We'll do some lessons later. Some of these emails I'm sending you will help you if you feel like you don't know how to pray. But you can just start with wherever you are, just talking to God like a friend. You can pray. I have another sheet in your bulletin. Would you pull it out? It's called World Changing Prayer. It's on white. It's got a red list, a red title on it. Would you stand up with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I know I just told you to grab a piece of paper. I want you to grab somebody's hand. You might have to put your paper down and pick it back up in a minute. <laughs> Let's put on that last song, folks. We're going to start with this song. And I want you to just pray. Let's just, right now, pray whatever way you know how to pray as this song is going on. Let's pray for America. Pray for your workplace. Pray for your family. Pray for the world. We're going to break chains of bondage. Let's just be, pray in your heavenly language. That's the best, most effective.